Greetings, I'm Will Tompkins, and this is the Narrow Way Podcast. This series of episodes is our study of John Bunyan's timeless book, The Pilgrim's Progress, Part 2, Christiana's Story. Links to our source text will be found in the description field of the first episode in this series. In this episode, we'll be discussing Greatheart, the cross, justified by Christ, and Sloth and his companions. But first, a moment of prayer. O Father God, grateful are we to be in your presence, enveloped in your mercy. As we gather together for this time of learning, we ask for ears to hear, the wisdom to see your marvelous truth, and the courage to do thy will. Lead us to your fields, Father. Show us the tasks and give us the strength to endure. All glory and honor to you, Father God. Amen. As the curtains were closing on our previous episode, we were looking at the character traits of Christiana and Mercy. Let's read that again. Others have written that Mercy is the most lovely of all the characters in the second part, and that with the utmost simplicity, Bunyan has given us the most finished portrait of womanly excellence. And by this character, Mercy, Bunyan has laid Christian maidenhood under as deep an obligation as he has laid Christian matronhood by his character of Christiana. Godly examples both. Amen. Remember this as we proceed through the rest of this pilgrimage, and you will see these most enduring qualities amplify and glorify. Now, on to Greatheart. As Christiana and her band of pilgrims prepare to depart the house of the interpreter, he, the interpreter, summons a manservant of his, one Greatheart, telling him to take a sword, a helmet, and a shield, and then escort these, my daughters, to the House Beautiful, which will be their next resting place on their pilgrimage. So the interpreter has, essentially, called upon Greatheart to put on the armor of God. Why? Well, the answer lies in Ephesians 6:10 through 18, because his calling is to guard them against the darkness of this world and the spiritual forces of evil. Let's read those verses together. You can follow along with Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and having done everything, to stand. 
Stand firm then with that belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the very word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Amen. Now, as they went on their way, guided by great heart, they sang a song announcing that this, the house of the interpreter, had been their second stage, meaning the second stage of their journey, their pilgrimage. Now, a word about great heart. If there is anyone among the many Bunyan characters of similar character to the evangelist, it is the one now drawing our attention. He is clearly the key character in this and other sections of the text. In the person of this character, Bunyan lays the foundation of a great Puritan soldier. It is written that he possesses utter absence of vindictiveness, has the unparalleled ability to see into the heart of the situation, and has an all-embracing hospitality of heart. Oh, how noble is he, this great heart. Oh, loved ones, let us pray for these qualities, even for just one of them. Now, like evangelist, great heart belongs to the class of Bunyan characters known as the helpers. When he's called upon to guide, that is, to be the conductor, it is primarily for women. This duty of his often expands to family and then to community. He is also a minister, a preacher with an unmistakable zeal for the truth. He is a hero, a hero who claims no credit for his work. He is, if you will, the evangelist of part two, where Bunyan allows much less disaster and far fewer tribulations to befall his pilgrims, notwithstanding the conflict and victory necessary for progressing along the narrow way. Now, because of Greatheart's teaching and interventions, you might assume that things are easier for Christiana, Mercy, and the four boys than they were for her husband, Christian. And you could be right. But know this. This is as it should be, and that's what Bunyan wants you to know. Great Heart is the strongest, most competent human character in this book, and he is the most put together. He has neither defects, infirmities, nor faults. He's a man's man who is the very definition of excellence. He is described as a guide and a conductor who is devoted to his duty. But it is quite clear that all that he does is at the bidding of the one he serves. He says, I am at my Lord's commandment. I am a servant of the God of heaven. I am commanded to do my endeavor to turn men, women, and children from darkness to light. My business, he concludes, is to persuade sinners 
to repentance. Shouldn't that also be our business, loved ones? But there are parameters to his services, for he is the interpreter's assistant, and as such, he can only assist those pilgrims who have arrived and announced their presence there. Now, as the interpreter's assistant, he fields many questions, like the one Christiana asks while they were standing near the cross. What the promise is, of that I know something, but what is it to have pardoned by deed, or in the way that it was obtained? And thus begins the most instructional and doctrinal conversation in the entire part two of this story. And as we pick up the story here, remember that the interpreter's house is a river of guidance, of teaching and God's speed. And as Bain writes, as far as the allegory is concerned, it is as a guide that Greatheart is brought forward to play his part in this history. So, in answer to Christiana's question, Greatheart answers that pardon by deed is a pardon obtained by someone for another that has need of it. So, he says, the pardon that you and Mercy and the boys received was obtained by another, by him that let you in at the gate. And here, of course, he means our Lord Jesus. Greatheart continues, telling her that he has obtained it in this double way. He has performed righteousness to cover you and spilled blood to wash you. Christiana wonders if he parts with his righteousness for her and the others, what will he have for himself? Greatheart, of course, says not to worry, for he has more righteousness than you need or that he needs for himself and she prays that will be so. Then Greatheart begins his theology lesson by describing our Lord as one with two natures, plainly different, but impossible to divide. And it is fair to say here there is no way, as mere humans, for us to certify what follows. It is sufficient, I think, to know this. He was and remains perfect in all ways, our Christ. He lifted the world's sin upon his shoulders and took the punishment for all of us. And it was and remains his blood that washes us clean. Amen and thank you, Jesus. Now the detail. There is a righteousness that belongs to both of these natures. And each righteousness is essential to that nature. The two natures, of course, are divine and human. We do not partake of these, but there is another righteousness besides these. It is a righteousness derived from the joining of his two natures into one. This righteousness results from the union of the two, and without this righteousness, he would, in the eyes of God, no longer be qualified to hold the office of mediator, our mediator. Now, to answer Christiana's question about the Lord having enough righteousness to cover himself, there is a fourth righteousness, which comes from his obedience to the revealed will of his Father. And it is this righteousness that is imputed to those who believe.
Bain writes this very concise summary. Here then is a righteousness which Christ as God, as man, as God-man has no need of in reference to himself and therefore he can spare it. And the whole is gathered up in these words. Thus hath he ransomed you from your transgressions by blood and covered your polluted and deformed souls with righteousness. Amen. The text reads, And for the sake of this, God passes by you and will not hurt you when he comes to judge the world. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Christiana says, It makes my heart bleed to think that he should bleed for me. O oh, thou loving one, O oh, thou blessed one, thou deserves to have me, thou hast bought me, thou deserves to have me all, thou hast paid for me ten thousand times more than I am worth. No marvel that this made the water stand in my husband's eyes and that it made him trudge so nimbly on. I am persuaded he wished me with him, but vile wretch that I was, I let him come all alone. Now Christiana wants to know if this was the reason her husband's burden fell from his shoulder, causing him to leap for joy. Greatheart answers, yes, it was his belief of this that cut it loose. Amen. Oh, let us, Father God, believe and strive and continue to strive so that any remaining burden upon our backs may be cut loose and tumble into the tomb. Amen. All of this caused Christiana to feel great affection for the gift that the Lord offered and that she gratefully lay hold of. I pray, loved ones, that the same may be said for all of us. For to be affected with Christ, with what he has done, is a very special thing. I quote, The heart can never be established in grace till the understanding is enlightened to discern what it is to have pardon by the deed done. Now let us turn our attention to the hanging of simple sloth and presumption, a trio we first encountered in part one of this book. Simple was satisfied living in utter ignorance. Sloth relished his laziness and negligence, destroying all conviction. And presumption, so content was he with his worldly security that he was not swayed by disapproval. Now as Christiana and the others come by the spot where her husband, Christian, tried to stir them, they see that these three misfits have been hung Indeed, all three are hanging up in irons for passerbys to see. Christiana asks, why were they hung and why are they hanging there? Greatheart answers that they had turned out of the way and had no intentions of being real pilgrims. And they did what they could to persuade others to join them. And to that end, they were successful in leading many and themselves to perdition to a state of eternal punishment and damnation. After hearing their story from Greatheart, 
Christiana has little sympathy for them, saying they have but what they deserve. Furthermore, she wonders why there isn't a plaque of some kind telling all who pass by of their crimes. And what does Greatheart answer? That there is indeed such a plaque just off the road. In uncharacteristically strong language, Christiana ends with, let them hang and their names rot and their crimes live forever against them. And at that, she sang, now then, you three, hang there and be a sign to all that shall against the truth combine. And let him that comes after fear this end. If undo pilgrims, he is not a friend. And thou, my soul, of all such men beware that unto holiness opposers are. Well, as this lesson draws to a close, loved ones, let us hear and remember these words. This conductor named Greatheart is a gospel minister under the direction of the Holy Spirit, courageous, armed with the sword of the Spirit, enjoying the hope of salvation and defended by the shield of faith. Let us pray. Father God, oh, that we might aspire to be a great heart, directed by the Holy Spirit, courageous and armed with the sword of the Spirit, and that we too, Father, may enjoy the hope of salvation, always defended by the shield of faith. Amen. Well, in our next lesson, we'll cover the hill of difficulty and the arbor. Until then, loved ones, may the Comforter be with you always to guide you in the way that leads to the city. 